Yo, what's up? This is Toru, and in a way, so are you. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a music producer, artist, and entrepreneur. I make music for that space between the dance floor and the bedroom, which has been streamed millions of times and been licensed by brands big and small, including companies like Apple. I believe that regardless of what you produce, whether it be music, art, physical goods, or even spreadsheets, you have a process, whether you know it or not. To explore this further, I created the Producer Head podcast. Producer Head is a place to have conversations with other producers about their experience and process to share what works and what doesn't, to help each of us learn and improve our own processes along the way. Today's guest is Kraft, a Houston-born, Atlanta-based producer and founder of the B-Curve record label. As we'll discuss in today's conversation, Kraft has been an entrepreneur for decades and has experience working in the industry as a producer, even managing and releasing music for artists like MF Doom, Jay Dilla, and Eminon. In this conversation, Kraft will share some stories and lessons learned from his time with Doom, as well as cover a lot of ground that's going to provide useful information and motivation. Some of what we discuss with Kraft will include the importance of confidence and how to further develop your own, understanding the difference between what you can and cannot control, approaching collaboration strategically and practically, and marketing concepts and strategies for social media that can be applied no matter where you are in your career. As you'll hear throughout this conversation, Kraft has experienced success throughout his life in multiple phases as a result of his confidence and his ability to adapt to changing circumstances and developing genuine relationships with others. All right, with all that said, Producer Head episode six with Kraft starts now. Let's get into it. Everybody, this is Toru, and in a way, so are you. Welcome back to another episode of Producer Head. Today on the show, we have Kraft, a Houston-born, Atlanta-based producer who blends lo-fi textures, southern funk, and 90s hip-hop in his lush, yet minimal beats. Inspired by his Texas roots, Faith, and his father's vinyl collection, Kraft creates without boundaries. Kraft was the founder of the Shaman Work label, which released music featuring MF Doom, Jay Dilla, Aloe Black, Eminon, Carlos Nino, John Robinson, and many more. Maybe you've heard of some of those people. But today is a new day, and Kraft's Beat Curve Records is on a mission to release music for God's glory and to inspire the beat culture. Everybody, producer head, please welcome Kraft to the show. What's up, man? What's up? What's up, Toru? It's just an honor to be here. I'm blessed to be here. We met in Nashville, and uh, that brought us here. Yeah, we did, man. And I'm, I'm really grateful to meet you as well. And thank you again for sharing the time. I do want to jump right in, man, because I think as we're going to find throughout this conversation, you're somebody who's embraced an entrepreneurial path like throughout. And that's a much more challenging route to take than simply just a music maker. And that's not to say that making music is easy for anybody out there. But because of that, I want to start with confidence. Where does confidence come from for you? To me, confidence comes from preparation. Whatever your calling is in life, you put in as, uh, I believe, was it Malcolm Gladwell that came up with the 10,000 hours? You, you put your 10,000 hours in and uh, you become good at something. And the better you prepare and you become good at, uh, the more confident you are. Also, for me personally, in, in my personal walk in life, confidence comes from my faith, my faith in Jesus. Uh, just having that faith and being grounded no matter the outcome, uh, allows me to approach new opportunities and and, and familiar opportunities uh, with confidence as well. That's awesome. And so it really sounds like it's a blend between two things, right? One is understanding what you can control and what you can't control. Correct. What you can't control, it becomes, all right, preparation. And the other part becomes surrendering to like, okay, there's some things I can't control, 
and I'm going to trust that to take care of itself. So, exactly. so let's talk a little bit, cause I love the idea that, okay, within the things I can control, let me go ahead and do what I can to repair. The thing is in theory, we can always be more prepared, right? So where do you, right. Right. So when does it ever end? <laughs> so where's that sweet spot so that you can make sure that at some point you jump in the ring and take action. Yeah. So that's what I find really cool about, about lo-fi. Uh, you know, I've always been a fan of the aesthetic as far as, you know, the nineties, you know, boom bap and, and, and that style of lo-fi, but it's also the embracing the imperfections in music, the humanity in music. So, you know, when you prepare on one side, you could take the Kanye route, you know, when he was coming up as a producer, you know, five, 10 beats a day uh, mm -hmm. until you feel like your your craft is is where it needs to be. But also at a certain point, you just need to ship it. Right. right? There's only so, so many hours you could spend EQ in that that snare. Right. It is it, going to be right at a certain point. So which goes back to confidence. Right. So if you're, you're confident. In, in a product and, and in our world, a product is, is a beat or a song. If you're confident in that product being ready to ship, let it go and let the world experience. And, and sometimes you'll find that the music that you put all the time in, it may not resonate with the, with the people in the world. And it could be that one track where it's like, Oh, the world likes this one. Mm. Oh, that was easy. So yeah, it's that it's that fine line, it's that balance that that musicians and entrepreneurs and anyone uh, who has a creative passion they they have to strike that balance. Yeah, I mean, I feel like what I hear you describing a bit, man, is is the need to really expose yourself and to put something out there and actually to learn for real to get real information from people. Correct. Fail if you're going to fail, fail fast. Mm. What role do you think confidence plays in like the trajectory and the career of a producer? A lot, a lot. You know, we've gone from in the music industry, uh, the producer being a person in the background who's putting all the pieces together to when when hip hop came around, the producer became synonymous with the beat maker mm. and beat makers started to become more of a brand themselves to today. Producers are releasing instrumental projects and they are the artist. So I think the more obviously throughout that 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 entire timeline of of a producer you know confidence plays a role but i argue that it takes more confidence to be a producer artist because you're essentially letting your putting your brand on display for the world to to see and judge and critique so i believe confidence more than ever plays a role in the in the life of a producer today yeah, man, that makes a ton of sense to me. So how would you, let's say there's somebody out there and they're getting started or maybe they're in a place where like they don't feel as confident as they'd like to. How would you suggest that they they continue to develop that confidence so that they can release more music more confidently or maybe start a new business alongside of it? Yeah, don't go at it alone. Collaborate. Mm. Yeah, if, if you have a weakness, like for me as a producer, I'm not a classically trained piano player or anything. So if I need a piano track, I go collaborate with, with a producer who's skilled at that instrument. Same in business. You know, if I'm not a good person with the, the finances, the finances, but I'm a good idea person, I'm going to seek out a business partner who's good with the finances. Um, so 
I think that's a really huge asset in the beat culture world, that collaboration is a huge thing. So seeking other people who make up for your weaknesses is, is man, I, I believe that's a, a, a really good way not only to grow as a musician technically, but also grow your confidence. I love that because, you know, being confident doesn't mean that, okay, I have to do everything myself. It's understanding where your blind spots are, where you're strong, where maybe you could use a little help and being able to put all of that together. Yep. I love that. That's great, man. So let's get into a little bit of the entrepreneurship because I think it, it's super interesting throughout your life, the different kinds of things you've put together. So I see you repping the Morehouse sweatshirt. I know you went to Morehouse as well as Georgia Tech to study engineering, actually. But, that's correct. Yes. Yeah, but you went there and that's not exactly, I mean, you did that, but that's not all you did. So tell us a little bit about, a little bit about what happened there. So college was all about this duality between education and music. So uh, I arrived on campus at Morehouse in 1997 as a freshman. And the first thing I noticed, <laughs> it was all the artistic, creative people, people outside of the dorms freestyling. Uh, people making beats in their dorms, uh, people promoting their shows that they were going to have off campus, you know, rap shows. And that just intrigued me because I, I really got into music uh, really strong uh, my sophomore, junior year in high school. So seeing that there were other people out there my age in school uh, being creative and, and and taking a chance with letting their art out for, for people to see and hear, you know, that, that was really inspiring. But on the other side, I, I had a scholarship. Um, I was a NASA scholar. So NASA paid for my schooling, uh, you know, within uh, science, technology, uh, edu- uh, uh, engineering and math. And, you know, so I had to keep my grades up, too. Um, and it, it came to a point when I was at Georgia Tech where I had to let music go for a while just to focus on on getting my degree always knowing in the back of my head that I did not want to be an engineer, but I felt that, hey, I'm so far along in electrical engineering as far as getting my, my degree. I need to finish strong, uh, make some sacrifices, and um, and just, as, as we say at Georgia Tech, got to get out. So uh, I was able to get out in 2002, and I did not look back. I jumped right back into music uh, once I got that degree. <laughs> And so, yeah, man, let's talk about alphabeats.com, man. How did that come to Whoa, be? Oh, a throwback. Yeah. Well, the funny part about alphabeats is that I was able to scratch, scratch two itches, right? One was that I want to be able to get into all the, the college parties that were off campus for free. <laughs> so by starting alphabeats, I was able to have a press credential and I could get into parties. Uh, but the second itch was I was able to... Uh, interview people like MF Doom, interview people like Peanut Butter Wolf and Stone's Throw, Music Soul Child, Talib Kweli. Um, so no ID. Um, I was able to speak and learn from these great musicians, mostly producers, and interview them about the craft of beat making. So I don't know of any other website that focused on the art of, of beat making of you know, as far as editorializing it uh, in words, I don't remember any other online magazine doing that before alphabeats.com, Alpha and Omega magazine. And uh, honestly, that was the door 
that opened me up to my really like initial strong industry connections. Through those connections, I like I said, I met MF Doom, I met uh, Peanut Butter Wolf in Atlanta. I was able to meet the Patchwork Recordings people. That's where Razcast was signed. Able to meet Outcast. You know, I've been in a room with Andre. You know, and it's just. You know, so being able to experience that as a college student was huge for my confidence and for uh, the industry connections that I needed to uh, eventually lead to me starting my my first record label. So how old were you when you started Alpha Beats? Let's see, 1997, uh, I was 17, 18 years old. Yeah, and so, I mean, what... I guess what made you feel like you could start something like that? Because what I love about it is here it is. It's like you're, I assume at least like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, you're not necessarily thinking about how you can be a business person necessarily, but you're being somebody who's 17. You're like, I want to be hanging out in these places. How can I go ahead and find a way in? And so you're, you're just interest and fun. And then that leads to countless opportunities and connections. Correct. Correct. Another cool story, because of Alpha Beats and having that press credential, I was able to go to WooWare. All right, so this was back when Wu-Tang had their own clothing line, and they had a WooWare store in Atlanta. The uh, Grave Diggers with Prince Paul and RZA and them, they were doing an in-store. So I was able to go there and interview all those guys. I passed Prince Paul a demo tape. He leaves a voicemail on my on my answer machine, this, I'm dating myself because yeah. no one has answer machines anymore. He leaves a voicemail saying, hey, I listen to your music. It's really good. Dude, that put Prince Paul, I mean, come on. Like, produce, the producer of all the early De La Soul stuff. I mean, great. I mean, come on. You know, so that was just amazing. So once again, like, it was the opportunity to meet all these people but if I were to be co- completely honest, it was irrational confidence. Like, I just felt like I, I could do it. Mm. You know, and, and I understand, like, that. that's not the case for everybody, but that's my story, you know. I, my, and I think it's, it goes back to my parents. My parents always supported my crazy ideas. Mm. Um, and they, they never... They never shot down the crazy things that Chris wanted to do, you know? So they, you know, I think the confidence comes from good parenting. I definitely won the parent lottery, uh, I should say. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. So you mentioned there, you know, that leads to you starting your label. So tell us about that and kind of what makes you decide that you're going to be more than somebody who produces music, but you're going to contribute in the form of a label as well. So before the label, we were just, you know, making music, pressing up our own CDs, you know, with, without calling it a, a label, you know, the, my friends at Morehouse. And we actually went up to New York. We drove up to New York from Atlanta with our, our buddy, uh, Self-Titled. Self is still putting out uh, music. And I go and take a demo to a distributor called Bud's Distribution in Manhattan. As soon as I walk in, there's most Def and Quali talking to each other. They had just finished a meeting. I give them a, a you know a CD that we have pressed up. So that was like, whoa, that's cool. And so we end up doing a deal with Buzz Distribution under our group name Divine Mind, and they put out 
a piece of vinyl by us called Forever. And that was cool because they introduced us to the New York underground scene. Uh, you know, the whole, you know, that was the raucous area, uh, era, which was pretty cool. But the bad side is uh, we never got paid mm-hmm. uh, after selling a ton of records. So that got me and my buddies thinking, I'm like, hey, what if we did this ourselves? <laughs> you know, so that, um, of course, we will have to work with a distributor and all that. Uh, but that really got us thinking like, hey, maybe we can be a label. You know, maybe we could start something. So when toward the end of Georgia Tech, um, I was doing something with Alpha Beats where we were doing compilation albums. And this was in the early 2000s. Uh, so that was the, the, the first compilation album. Uh, we put it out under Shaman Work Recordings. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember the name of it, but... I know we had a uh, little brother on it. They had, we got an exclusive from little brother on this alpha beats compilation album. And before we know it, like, Hey, we're a label, we're putting stuff out. And that eventually led to a distribution deal with groove attack for Europe, fat beats for vinyl. And then there was another distributor and I'm blanking on it. I'm embarrassed that I'm blanking on it, but we had another really cool distributor that we signed with for Canada and the United States. And it was just like, whoa, we're, we're really doing this. So once we had distribution, it was uh, a little bit easier for us to approach people, uh, other artists to put out uh, music with us. I guess take us through where that goes because you're, you're releasing music with a number of artists and that grows to a point. And then at some point you decide that you're gonna leave it all behind. Yeah. Yeah, so we're releasing music, like you said in my in my in the in the intro, my bio. Um, you know, we're doing uh MF Doom Special Herbs and uh Soul Uprising, Wale Oyajide, who did a song with Dilla. And I really think our the gift and the curse is that like we started shaman work at the time right before digital distribution started to take off. Mm-hmm. And uh that's how we got our our deal with with IOTA. Uh, which was bought out by the Orchard, mm. which is Sony now. You know, but we had that in place, but we were still trying to be in the CD world when CDs were dying out. You know, so while we had all this music, we didn't fully handle the pivot from physical to digital well. Mm. Um, and this is also around the same time uh, I'm starting to have a family. I've become... I'm a husband already, but uh, I become a father in 2008. And I'm like, okay, I have a kid, but then I also have these 10 artists who are like my kids too. And this is a whole lot lot to handle. So it was around that time, 2009, 2010, that I decided to, to walk away from the label life. I'm not really doing much of my own music. I'm mostly executive producing releases for, for other artists. And, you know, at that time, we released music, you know, by CL Smooth and and other legends, too. So, yeah, it, it was it was bittersweet. But I felt that this the departure from the industry uh, was necessary at that time for several reasons. Right. And so tell us about what you did next in terms of uh, your business. So that's uh, I had learned so much about marketing by working records that I decided to start uh, a marketing agency uh, now media. Now uh, was spelled uh, N A O, and uh, it's actually the 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 umbrella company 
for my record label for for B Curve, still to this day. But NAO is the first three letters of our oldest daughter's name, Naomi. Okay, cool. uh, I remember she was uh, like two years old, and uh, she was sitting on my lap. I'm like, baby, can can I use part of your name to start a business? And she was like, yes. <laughs> so, which was like a sign of inspiration coming through the trill through my our children. That comes back around. I'm sure we'll get to that later in the, in the interview. But I felt that starting the the marketing agency would allow me to be at home more because with Shaman work, I was either in LA or New York or in Atlanta all the time, right? And I just knew that you know, with a wife who's who works as well, I just need to be more settled, uh, more stable as far as my location. And it was just a, a good time to make that pivot. But it was a pivot that I needed to make because I think I truly learned how to be a real businessman entrepreneur during that season of life. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. And I mean, I think it sounds like to make a pivot that big, you know, you it's interesting because, you know, you get to a place where you're established, you, you have success and credibility, you're working with people that are recognized as legends in, in the area of music that we're talking about, and you're able to leave all that behind. And it, it seems to speak to a really strong sense of connection with your, with your own personal philosophy and values. So can you talk about that a little bit? Because that, that is a, a hard thing to give up. It is very hard because it's, it's basically all I knew. Because like I shared, I was going to school for engineering and I never entered the engineering field. Mm. Um, it was music, right? Mm. Uh, and some odd jobs, you know, while building up the, the label until the label got on its own financial footing. It was the people, the people, that was the hardest thing to walk away from. The No bridges were burned. So it's not like relationships ended. It's just that the working relationships, you know, working with Aloe Black, you know, working with, with Doom, uh, working with John Robinson and, and my business partner at the time, Lamar. That's what I miss the most, you know, and going out and, and eating dinner with those guys after a show and, and, and stuff like that. But I knew that there was a, a greater responsibility at home that, that, that took precedence over, for, over all that. And, uh, you know, when you look at your wife and your kids eyes, I think it's, it makes it a little bit easier to, to walk away mm. uh, from those things. Always knew that I will return to music at some time, uh, but I didn't know it would take 10 years. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. So you did the, so now media as a marketing agency solely ran for 10 years. Yep. That's right. Wow. And so you, let's talk about, I'm, I'm curious. So what are some of those things that you've learned? This is interesting, right? Because you leave music, you start now media, mm -hmm. you come back to music 10 years later. So what I'm curious about is what are some of those things maybe that you learned in marketing music that were directly applicable and then full circle, what are those things that helped you come back that you're able to take from working purely as a marketer for corporate clients? Oh, for sure. Uh, so now media uh, mostly focused on content marketing and search engine optimization in the med tech uh, scene uh, mm -hmm. or industry, rather. So this was right at the time, like Twitter was starting to get hot, right? So uh, learning how to navigate social media uh, for corporate brands and, and personal brands. Uh, because funny enough, there's some crossover. We actually ran social and digital for Aloe Black uh, when his career really started to take off with I Need a Dollar and, 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 and during that time. So that is really what prepared me for today 
is because I had to go in and immediately learn how to navigate social media platforms and digital marketing and, and SEO and, and, and learn the power of content for marketing, uh, which made the world smaller. You know, uh, one could argue the internet made the world small, but content and social media made it even more possible to reach a great mass of people in a shorter period of time. So I would say that is the biggest benefit. I would say a, a second benefit is that I learned how to budget and, and, and manage funds a whole lot better during that season of, of running Now Media purely as a marketing agency, learning how to manage ad budgets, learning how to not only market our customers, but our clients, but market ourselves as well as an agency. And also during that time, I did a lot of public speaking too at social media conferences and stuff like that. So it allowed me to really get into personal branding as well and getting and get comfortable uh, being up front because during the shaman work label days, I was in the background. You know, I didn't really, you know, come out and, and promote myself. I was mostly uh, focusing on, on promoting the artist. So, yeah, I, let me see. I think there's one other thing I could show you. Also, during that time, I published my first book, oh, wow. uh, Open Open Routine, during the, the, the Now Media days. And it's about personal branding as well. So that that time, while it was painful to walk away from music, I really grew so much in, in in those areas and i was able to be a fan from afar as i saw aloe black rise as i saw mf doom rise you know especially during that mad villain time and and uh it it, it prepared me for today uh now that i'm back in music man that's that's beautiful man so you know this really i have to ask you i think it's pretty common right for if somebody if you're an artist if you're an entrepreneur maybe you have a dream of some kind and you're pursuing it and it takes time to develop that. So in the meantime, maybe like you mentioned before, you're working odd jobs or you have dream or you're working some kind of a job that isn't necessarily directly connected to your dream. So what can you offer to people in terms of inspiration to kind of maintain that mindset? Because as you're demonstrating, there's so much that can be learned in seemingly unrelated places that can help you bolster what it is that you're working on towards your dream. Yeah, I would say enjoy the process, right? If you focus too much on what you your perceived end goal, you miss the joy and, and you miss the opportunity to celebrate the, the small wins along the way. Mm. So that that's the main thing I will tell people, especially, you know, you know, if if you have to, you know, drive Uber, if you have to wait tables, you know, enjoy that opportunity when you get off work to where you could turn on your NPC and and fire up Ableton or, or Logic, whatever, and, and just make a beat and, and celebrate that beat that you made, you know? I would say that's the main thing, especially now when, where it's so important to be active on social media and wear many hats as an artist these days, collaborate. Mm. You know, take, take some of the pressure to do it all off yourself, especially if you have another job to work because it's just hard to do it all. Yeah. So that's cool, man. I had no idea about this book on personal branding. And so I think it makes a ton of sense given the world that we're living in and all the social media stuff that you've had experience with. Let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the things that you see as really important practices and philosophies to embrace for people trying to develop and, and put on a brand. 
Oh, for sure. I would say show who you are as a person. Um, if, you know, someone goes to your Twitter or IG and all they see is new release out stream today, there's no human connection being made there. Um, if you were to go to my social media, you will learn, oh, Chris is, is a family guy. You know, I'm posting pictures of my kids and my wife. Oh, Chris is really into the Houston Rockets and the NBA. Like, oh, he's not only in the beats. Like, this dude is into, into sports, too. You know, I think the more that you let people know you, the person, the more of a, a, a personal, emotional connection they can make with your music as well. The other thing people know about me, like Chris, uh, Chris is a man of faith. You know, he's a Christian. I'm very open about that. And and I'm very open about music being a spiritual process to me. I start every production session with a prayer because I, there are certain, even though we're doing instrumental music, I believe that there are ways you can inspire and positively motivate people through a beat. Mm. I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would say, you know, as you go about building your personal brand, Remember the humanity in it. Are there any things that you, because some of what you're saying reminds me, I don't know, just Jared, I don't know if you're hip to him. He was on episode four of Producer Head. And he he is somebody who really does understand social media pretty well. I think a more so yes. person and does a really good job. And he said something that stuck with me, which is, I echo some of what you said about like always sharing releases and getting people to listen to things. He says, people forget that social media is a, is a chance to remind people that you exist and not to just try to constantly sell them things. And I, I think there's some echo in some of that. And so I'm wondering if there are anything, maybe some practices or tactical things that you suggest that people can try to implement as they're, as they're developing their, their brand and their presence. Sure. So I will say, uh, I'll give an example for Instagram. So say if you're, you know, conscious about having your feed be a certain, you know, thing that's only about music. Mm-hmm. All right, that's fine. Have your feed only be about music. Show your personality in your stories. Mm-hmm. You know, show show that, you know, you're walking your dog, you mm-hmm. know, or, or or that you're doing something with your family or that you're playing basketball or, or share a funny joke in, in your IG story. Just to let people know, like, hey, I'm just not. Uh, a person out here uh, shilling my my next release. You know, I'm I'm really a, a person. So I would say that's one fun tactic that that you could do. And then uh, I would say the second thing is uh, utilize IG Live to show you creating your art. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could be making a beat live, or you could you know stream your 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 process. Give people a behind the scenes on what goes into making your art, just so that they don't you know, view your art as a product, mm-hmm. right? They view it as a process. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Thank you. For everybody out there, hope you go ahead and take that. It's good stuff. So, all right, man, when we talked a little while back, you casually slipped in that <laughs> you were friends with and managed MF Doom for a minute. And so obviously that kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I think many people here listening are big fans of MF Doom, are inspired by MF for those of you who don't, like, I couldn't recommend enough that you go check out This Man Left Behind, a very vast catalog of music that's worth becoming familiar with. So tell us how this comes to be and that you know and manage MF Doom. I met MF Doom because of uh, what we already we talked about earlier, uh, alphabeats.com. He was living in Kennesaw, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta. I was a college kid. 
and reached out to one interview him and two have him be a judge for an online beat contest that we were putting on called Battle of the Beats. I wish I still own that domain name, battleofthebeats.com. Ah, why did I let that go? But that's how I met Doom. Yeah. And we just became friends. You know, it wasn't even about, about the music. Eventually, yes, we did start to do music with each other, but it was just about going out, eating wings, and just having fun. Well, once he started to notice that that I and, and, and my buddy Lamar, that we were, you know, pretty savvy and we were, you know, willing to go out there and take chances with art. Mm-hmm. Um, he asked us for help with managing, you know, helping him book shows, helping him broker deals with labels and also helping him sell beats here and there, but also do collaborative projects. We were the people who helped broker his project with Danger Mouse. Mm-hmm. So that was around that time. And that was a good uh, two years with him. And we took him all the way up to the point to when he signed with Stone's Throw to do Mad Villain. And uh, it was at that point to where he started to see that we were growing shaman work and we were doing a, you know, getting pretty busy with that. And we just, you know, it was very amicable. We decided to mutual like he's like, OK, you know, my trajectory is, gr- you know, growing this way. You guys are growing as, a, as label owners in this way, you know, let's, you know, in the, the management thing, but we still remain friends. And I tell people all the time, I hung out with Doom and I know him more uh, for the person with his mask off than with his mask on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the man, yeah. his, his wife, his kids, you know, so once again, bringing it back to the humanity, the, the relationship is what allowed our business relationship to be fruitful uh, in the management sense, but also as an artist and, and label sense, because we put out eight volumes, uh, actually nine volumes of his special herbs uh, instrumental series through Shaman work. So yeah, it's just, just a beautiful relationship uh, getting and getting to know him and spending good quality time with him and his family. That's yeah, that's beautiful, man. So first of all, I just, man, I listened to Special Herbs like so much when I was in, like in college. Like that was like a soundtrack for me. So it's just oh, dude, oh man, you want to talk about? Man, we could talk for days about that guy's mastery of of embracing imperfections in in his beats and just the rawness in his beats and his sample choices, his ear for samples, just crazy. Yeah, man, it's beautiful. So. I think it is cool that you mentioned, man, because I think there are a lot of people out there looking for collaborate. Oh, wow. So for those of you not watching, my man's holding up the uh, one of the special herbs volumes here. The four- <laughs> wow. That's beautiful. Um, so collaboration is something that a lot of people aspire to do, you know, and, yes. I, and I think in it is an interesting mix, I think, of, of both business and personal relationships at times. Mm-hmm. And how do you suggest people who are maybe less experienced in that to kind of go about it? Because it is a delicate art. And like you said, it's it's I don't want to I don't want to lead you on here too much. You know, how would you how do you suggest that people kind of go about that and explore collaboration? Let's start with my process. My process for getting collaborators was similar to my process for getting interviews when I started Alpha Beats. Mm. I started small, right? So 
I would interview like a, a local producer who has a relationship with a producer who may be a little bit more established mm-hmm. than that person. But the fact that I interviewed the the more local producer will allow me to bring up, hey, I had this interview with so-and-so. Uh, would you be willing to to talk to me? That's similar with collabs. You know, when I first got into producing lo-fi, one of my early collabs is my my good friend Josh uh, Smith Beats, one of the most talented uh, lo-fi producers out there. And he's good friends with Banks, you know, who's a lo-fi girl artist. So that led to me collaborating with Banks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, it, it just grows like that. So I would say make music with your friends and then make music with, with their friends and then make music with their friends. And I, that's just a whole lot easier than going out and sending a, a cold DM to someone who who you don't have a connection with at all. But then, you know, once you hit that rhythm of, of doing collaborating, you're undoubtedly going to, you know, hit a situation where, you know, you've sent stems to someone and they're taking forever to get back with you. I'm probably working on three collabs right now that I'm taking forever to, to wrap up. So it's that gentle art of nudging. Hey, man, just checking in. Uh, Yo, a really dope release that you just dropped this week. I'm just checking in. Hey, are you still interested in, uh, in working on so-and-so with the stems I sent you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested still. I'm sorry. It's been taking me a while. And then that slight nudge will may turn into, you know, your next big lo-fi hit or your next big song. You know, so I, I just think it's it's communication uh, always come is always the foundational things uh, thing for any relationship. It's just that it's easier to communicate these days because we have DMs, we have, you know, text messaging, you know, um, and all these things. And I would say just use all your communication channels as as at your disposal to to make it happen. No, I mean, I like, I like how actionable and practical it is, right? It's like, because it, I think embedded in what you're saying, it requires like some self-awareness and some honesty about where you are and who it makes, oh, yeah. who it makes sense for you to collaborate with right now. For sure. For sure. Approaching it in an organic way and allowing it to grow naturally over time makes a ton of sense. I think that's, it's really wise and practical. Yep. Before we get off Doom completely, I do want to ask you, can you share maybe some of the some of the gems or some of the wisdom that Doom left you with in the time that you spent with him? Oh man. Um before business, always break bread with a meal. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds silly. It's like, what is Chris talking about? But no, there I think there's something about eating with someone mm-hmm. and, and sharing a sharing a meal, you know, uh sharing a drink not like literally sharing a drink, but you know what I mean? That kind of breaks the ice, right? Because if you're only concerned about, hey, let's jump in and do a song. Hey, let's jump in and do business. That's not real, right? There, there, there are the, the soft skills in, in, in business and in, and in relationships and in networking that you really need to hone before you even thinking about, think about doing something as sacred as doing art with someone. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's that's the number one thing. I would say the the number two thing is be unapologetically creative. Mm-hmm. He, I could say out of pretty much anybody I ever worked with, had the most creative freedom. 
out of anybody. That's why he's every, that's why he's your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. You know, that's why most Def and, and Lupe Fiasco love that dude because, you know, I think, uh, you know, Lupe said like he could, he could wish, you know, being signed to a major label that he could have that kind of creative freedom, right? And, um, you know, of course it's easier to do that as an independent artist, but even when, you know, Doom did guest appearances, you know, he was just himself, you know? So I would say, you know, take that and, you know, with you, with your art, just be yourself because you're the only one of you. Mm. And if you try to sound like someone else, not saying that it's wrong to be inspired by, you know, other people's art, but if you try to mimic other people's art, you lose your superpower. You lose your uniqueness in doing that. So I will say those are the top two things I learned from him. Again, like, as you mentioned, you met Doom and countless other people, you know, through your contributions to Alpha Beats. And yes, it's something you created, but it represents an offering and a contribution to the community. And so yes. it seems like you just have a little bit, maybe it's a little bit of a natural talent that you have, and maybe it's something you've also cultivated along the way. How can you help us better see opportunity through what we can offer other people and what we can give? Oh man. Yes. 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 Okay. Another social media tip. Okay. Mm -hmm. It relates. Share on your platform, other people's music, mm -hmm. you know, uh, my buddy Riptide, uh, put out a really sick lo-fi Christmas track a week ago. Mm -hmm. And I shared it on my story and tagged him, you know, not looking for him to be like, Oh, you know, you know, give me thanks. And we do a song, but I just genuinely love the song and I shared it, you know? So I think it's about being open about showing love to others. And that's the beauty of the lo-fi community is so collaborative and, you know, they're active discords and people are, you know, freely work with each other. It gives you an opportunity to, to give back to the community through art and through collaboration. So that's what I like about lo-fi. It's kind of baked into the, the, uh, the scene is, is showing love to each other. And I think that's why the, the, the genre is thriving. Now, man, your current, your current venture is B-Curve, you know? And so you're the head of a label now that you founded in the lo-fi scene. Like, tell us a little bit about how you just, like why you decided to start it and the vision that you have for it. Well, it came out of the pandemic. Um, so in 2020, 2021, our kids, our three kids, uh, Naomi, Maria, and Elijah, they're older. They're playing piano. They're doing art. Mm -hmm. And they inspired me. I'm like, whoa, they don't know the side of dad that's an artist. Mm. You know, so I, everyone was at home, right? So, and I'm seeing, whoa, you know, I'm late to this lo-fi party. What's going on? Because lo-fi really started jumping in like 2017, you know? I'm like, hmm, this is pretty cool. So it inspired me to start making beats again. Though I walked away from a label, I still had my distribution deal with the orchard. Mm. So I still had a mechanism for releasing music. So I just, and I combined that with at the time distro kid, uh, just for, you know, strategically just for releasing certain mm -hmm. types of music. So I, you know, once I started to collect these beats, I'm like, Hey, let me start throwing them out. So fast forward to July, 2021, 
I release, before we begin, my first uh, lo-fi beat. People start to like it. Eldre added it to his playlist. Wow. I'm like, whoa, I think I could do this. And um, and B-Curve was a, a name that I came up with with my daughter, Naomi. We're like, whoa, that sounds cool. And uh, it became our family label to release our art. And that was more than me. I'm releasing music you know, for other producers as well. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. It allows me to give my contribution, like you alluded to, my contribution to the community. B-Curve is my my vehicle for -hmm. contributing to the community. Very cool, man. And so I know many, many producers are always wondering, you know, how they can work with labels as a means to kind of expand what they can offer and as ways to get their music out and to kind of, you know, just, just spread out their own workload a bit. So can you tell us what you look for in artists and how artists... You know, I'm not going to ask you to speak for all labels out there, but for B-Curve, certainly you can let us know what it is you look for in an artist. I definitely look for, there's no like magic number for like monthly listeners and all that stuff. I don't, the, some of the most talented producers I know don't have, you know, big numbers on Spotify, but I look for consistency. I look for people who are consistently dropping, you know, at least once a month, you know, drop a beat. And, you know, some people may say, oh, easier said than done. But I, I, I truly believe if you love beats, you probably have some stuff sitting on your hard drive that you could clean up and and and, and get it out there. Um, also look for people who support their own music mm-hmm. that don't just throw out uh, releases without letting the world know that it's out there. Also look for people who are resourceful, you know, people who come to the table, you know, as a label, we we do artwork for for the art for the releases, but you know people who have you know somewhat of a, a roadmap or bring ideas to the table for how they want the visuals to look and and how they want the the, the marketing to roll out for a release. So be like a like a little entrepreneur yourself in our partnership, and that's I find that attractive and I find that a, a, a good quality for producers who are looking to release with B Curve. You know if you check all those boxes. Hey, email us at bcurvrecords at gmail.com and, and we could <laughs> we could we could make something happen. And watch out for that inbox now, man. <laughs> uh, no, man, I love that. And what I what I really hear, man, is it kind of comes full circle to the confidence thing, right? You're looking for people who make music but also believe in themselves enough to actually wanna put it out there and push it to show that they believe in the quality and the possibility of their own music. And I think it gets yes, that, that's so- exactly right. And I think the next step for B curve is to build up a large enough of a roster to where you start, we start to see some cross-pollinating, some more collaborations. You know, when when artists submit to B-Curve and, and we hit a, a cadence, you know, there's an opportunity to collaborate with me. You know, I put a good number of my collaborations out through my own label. You know, so, you know, I, that's what I really want. I really want B-Curve to become this house of collaboration among talented music producers. That's cool, man. I mean, it's really clear throughout this, like how much you value relationships and connections with people that are, that Without are, a doubt. yeah, that's cool. Man. Um, are there any other, I want to get into some of these like kind of quicker one hit questions for you, but before we do that, are, are there any projects or upcoming things that you want to share that you're excited about? Oh, without a doubt. I recently signed a distribution deal uh, with Tone Tree Music out of, out of Nashville. Big shout out to Sean and Ellie. And I'm excited to roll out a EP that I'll be dropping in the first quarter with them. It's still untitled, but if you've heard Joyfield with Charlie Wynn, that's part of the the rollout. 
And then I have a, a song called uh, Searching that's also part of that rollout. And also Daydreams is part of that rollout, too. And then also I have an EP with uh, Wildflower and The Field Tapes that's coming out on Sondra House uh, early next year in 2024. Really, really, really excited about those two projects. So be on the lookout for those collaborations and, and those releases. Man, congratulations on all that, man. And shout to Kyle over at Sondra House as well. Yeah, Kyle's the dude. So, all right, Ben. And also let us know where can people follow you on uh, on socials? Where do you like to be followed? How should people connect with you? For sure. You can find me on X or Twitter and on uh, Instagram at Beats by Craft. That's B-E-A-T-S-B-Y-C-R-F-T. And you can find out more about Beat Curve, the label, at beatcurve.com. Let's go. All right, man. Let's get into some of these quick hits. Feel free to Let's do it. Is, or as lengthy as you'd like. What doll do you use? Ableton Gang. Oh, let's go. I didn't know that. Yeah. Go-to sound or instrument? Ooh. Um, probably the native... Okay, I have two. I have two. Okay. Um, the native instruments, pure piano. Yeah. Really, really good. Uh, it's actually a pure piano and a felt piano combined. And then also Native Instruments ROM for for reverb. Love those. Wow. Yeah, I'm not hip. I don't know that one. Yeah, let me hold on. I want to make sure. Oh, yeah, th- that piano is actually a it's a contact instrument. Okay. And it's called it's called Noir. N-O-I-R-E. I love that piano. Oh. Go to plugin. Oh, I think I man, I th- I think I Stole my own thunder. Uh, it's wrong for sure. Oh, and then also God Particle by Cradle. Huh. What is that? Love it. Tell us about that one. So I use that in my in my mastering chain. It's uh it's basically like a souped up limiter okay. and uh an EQ that just brings like sparkle and loudness to to your mixes. Very cool. What's your favorite piece of uh gear? Ooh, let me go grab it. <laughs> Let's go. All right. So when I want to get out of doll world and I want to bang on something, I pick up this little baby. Oh, wow. Is that a 1,000? It's the 1,000. He's holding the NPC 1,000, everybody. Yeah. And it's a 1,000 with, with outs. Wow. Very, how long? Yep. You- I've had this baby for a long time, since like, I would say like 2007 maybe something like that all right and three producers you think everybody should could benefit from listening to and you can't say <coughs> excuse me dilla madlib and in your case i'm also gonna add doom to that list oh wow okay uh pete rock hmm. dj premier shout out to houston people don't know he's from houston wow, for real, i didn't know that why did I- uh-huh yeah the king of New York, the New York sound is from Texas. And then you said I can't say Mad Lib, right? No. Pete Rock, Premier, and Pharrell. I'm going to oh, say Pharrell. That's a nice spread. I like that. Yeah. Three favorite albums. Ooh, um, Nas Illmatic. Sheesh. Oh, man. 
Radiohead Kid A. Ooh, wow. And ooh, dang, you put me on the spot. This is tough, dude. <laughs> They're not supposed to be easy. Oh man, this is tough. Oh, all right. Oh my gosh. You're gonna have to edit out all the silence because this is so hard, bro. I love how serious you're taking these questions, man. That's what's up. You want to give the real answer. I want to give the real answer. Okay. Okay. Raekwon only built for Cuban links. Wow. What's your favorite track on Elmatic? I just got out of curiosity. Ooh, man, there's so so many. That's tough, dude. Oof. I don't know. Probably halftime. I like halftime. Someone else you think I should talk to on this podcast, producer? I think Genesis would be a dope interview. Mm. Because he's also a label owner and he approaches, he has that really good balance between art and entrepreneurship as well. Oh, thank you for that. I'll keep that in mind. Favorite movie? Ooh, you man, you're about to see how silly I am. This is so ridiculous. I am not a movie person, so this is going to sound so silly. Uh, but it's coming to America, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> I don't know what made you hesitant about that one, man. I mean, it's a it's a classic. It's the classic. But, you know, people who are really into movies, like probably like, would probably say like The Color Purple or some like, you know, really like deep movie. And I'm here talking about a silly comedy, you know? No, nah, man. I, I mean, comedy is important. Yeah. All right. If you were to do one thing to break the internet, what would it be? If I were to do one thing to break the internet, what would it be? Ooh. Like how, like how, how like off the wall, like. Hey man, I'm not here to guide. I just asked the question. <laughs> All right. Chris is crazy. All right. When Jesus comes back, I'm going to be the first person to do uh, uh IG live with them. That'll break the internet. <laughs> IG live with Jesus. <laughs> no answer. That is an original answer. <laughs> and I honestly, Kraft, Chris, I can't thank you enough, man, for the time. This was so much fun. Thank you for sharing the wisdom that you have around making art, balancing with entrepreneurship, being yourself, valuing human relationships, the enthusiasm and kindness you bring to the scene. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for, for giving me an opportunity to, uh, be on your platform, be on your show. I hope our conversation conversation blesses and inspires many people. And if I ever get opportunity to come back, I would love to do it. That's what's up, man. Yeah. Thank you everybody for listening. This has been Toru. And in a way, so are you. That concludes another episode of Producer Head. We will catch you in the next one. Peace. That's it for this episode of Producer Head. I appreciate you coming through and being a part of it. My hope is that it helps you unlock a bit more creativity and find progress in a way that matters to you. Before we go, there are three simple and zero cost ways to support the Producer Head podcast. One, tap in and subscribe or follow wherever you're listening, whether it be Spotify or Apple. Two, if you haven't already, drop a review on Apple or Spotify, maybe both if you're feeling it. The feedback is appreciated and helps me continue to do what's working while improving along the way. Three, send this episode to one person who would enjoy it. Do not underestimate the power of word of mouth. The most old school of methods are often the most effective. Finally, let's stay connected. I regularly share ideas that help me develop my creative process, along with music recommendations and even give away free music and sample packs. Head to torubeat.com, T-O-R-U-B-E-A-T.com and sign up to receive all of these things and stay up on all things producer head. 
You can also stay connected with me and the podcast at Torubeat, T-O-R-U-B-E-A-T, on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. The theme music is one of my own songs. It is called Room to Breathe and available now on all streaming platforms. Again, for real, thank you so much for being here with me, and I look forward to catching you in the next episode of Producer Head. This has been Toru, and in a way, so are you. Peace.